We're Anthem Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. For all the info you need, visit anthemforall.org and follow at Anthem Church Chicago. I know it looks right now like I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but part of the series has... I mean, we can get through our service. We know what we want to do. We want to welcome you at the door. Even this isn't a part of my notes. We want to make you feel welcome. We want you to enjoy the service. We have a great time of singing. The band puts a lot of time practicing and rehearsing and getting their parts ready and the, so that the worship, is, it's easy for us to worship. And then we try our best to give a great message that preaches the gospel, that, that draws you in, that is clear for you so that you can hear the good news of Jesus. And we have nice coffee and we have all these amazing people who just, and we can get through this all without relying on the Holy Spirit. It's a good program. Let let me say that I believe it's a Holy Spirit inspired program. But if we trust in God to give us strategy for life, if we trust in God to lead us, but then don't wait on him to actually lead us in the moment, I think we could miss things. And I'd like us to just pause right now. If you feel comfortable, I'd like you to please close your eyes. If you're visiting us, it is great to have you. Thank you so much for coming. But what I'd like us to do is just still our hearts and say, God, in the frenetic activity of my week and of the busy rhythm of this beautiful city, the city that goes on and on and doesn't seem to stop, the demands that keep coming my way, I could open my email now and have so much to do because there's so much coming my way. God, I just put pause on everything. I put pause on what I'm thinking right now. I put pause on my plans for after the service. And I say, in this very moment now, let time stand still and Holy Spirit, would you come and would you meet with me? If you're new to, to this walk with God and you, you maybe don't yet, yet know God personally, say, say, God, if you're out there like they say you are, would you meet with me now? Would you come and do what only you can do? If you've known God for a long time, maybe you could say something like, God, I know you, but I, I want to be lost in wonder again at the beauty of your name, at the beauty of your ways. God, would you come? Would you breathe your life in this meeting, I pray, even more than you already have? as we wait on you. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God and I will be exalted. And we still our hearts, Lord. We say, would you speak to us? Would you speak to us, I pray. Amen. All right, now let's get to the sermon, what I've actually prepared to say. So I'm really excited for this series because it's, I love the Holy Spirit, and I know we all love the Holy Spirit, and we all ought to love the Holy Spirit, but it's been a beautiful series, not focusing on the gifts, like what can the Holy Spirit do for me, and how can he empower me, but actually who is the Holy Spirit, and what does he do so that I can walk more closely in relationship with him? And I'd like to end the series today by looking at, I think I'm just going to take the handhold mic, if that's okay. One, two, whoa, yeah. This one's way more powerful. What I'd like to do is to end this series by looking at four symbols or pictures of the Holy Spirit as revealed in Scripture. So now, the the Word of God is literal. I believe it is literal. I believe that these stories are actually His story that He's put in for us. God's Word revealed to us as recorded by His people through the ages. It's literal. As you read it, it's not just some allegorical account that we can apply to our lives so we can be a bit more philosophical and deep. 
It's actually literal things that happen to people that we see God in their lives and we can learn from their story, which is his story. But just as much as this word of God is literal and the context is very important, you can't read a verse in the Bible and take it out of its context and just try and apply it to your life. No, there's a context to every verse. There's a reason for every verse. There is a place for every verse. But just as much as this is the literal word of God as recorded and revealed to us, there is also a figurative side to the word of God that uses symbols and images and and just pictures to help us understand who God is and what he has done. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, there are many pictures and images and what we could call symbols of the Holy Spirit as revealed in scripture to help us understand who the Holy Spirit is. Now, there are many of them, and I'd like to go through just four, and hopefully I'll get through four this morning. But what do pictures do? Pictures help us understand, help us see more than maybe what we can read. For example, you look at a key. What is a key? Well, a key is something that opens and unlocks things. When it comes to pictures and imagery in the Bible, there are are words that can unlock deeper meaning for us in our walk with God. Now, any picture that you see is not the full picture. I wish it were the full picture that that as I read scripture, I just had this perfect picture of God and who he is and I understood him fully. But that's not the case because the reality is I could never understand God fully. I could never understand his Holy Spirit fully. And if you're sitting here and you say, I've got an accurate grasp on who God is and who the Holy Spirit is, I'll say that's wonderful, but I'd like to say that perhaps you're limiting God because if God is truly God and he is, he cannot fit within the realms of our imagination or even of our thinking. He is so much bigger, so much greater, so much beyond us that our minds could never fully comprehend who he is and what he has done. All we can do is try work out what is revealed in scripture, which is enough, by the way. I'm not taking away from the glory of scripture, but I'm just trying to paint a picture of how big God is. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, how massive and amazing he is. And we're gonna look at these pictures in a moment, but I think one day we're gonna get to be with him and we're gonna realize, oh my gosh, that was you. Oh my gosh, that was you. You were so much more than I could have hoped, dreamed or imagined. So let's look at these pictures and know that they're not complete pictures. They're just snapshots or glimpses of who the Holy Spirit is. And hopefully this can help us understand one, who he is, what he does, And in essence, what we can expect him to do in our lives. So if you're looking for a title for this message, it's snapshots, pictures, symbols, images, portraits, even whatever one of those uh, analogies you'd like to use of the Holy Spirit. And the first one I'd like to talk about, the first one that we see in scripture is he is like rain. The Holy Spirit In the Bible is revealed like rain. Notice I'm saying like rain. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit is rain. No, the Holy Spirit is not rain. The Holy Spirit is God. But when we come to understand who he is, the Bible gives us this picture of rain. Let me read in Joel chapter 2, verse 23. It says, Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains because he is faithful. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains as before. That's beautiful. How on earth does that apply to the Holy Spirit in our lives? Well, I'll show you. First of all, let's look at the context of it. Joel is a book written to the people of God who have just experienced a disaster. A massive swarm of locusts has come and devoured their crops. And the hardest part of it all is it seems that the the locusts were sent by the Lord as a type of judgment on them. 
They're in this difficult place. The land is barren. The land is empty. All their crops and all their produce has been destroyed by these locusts. And then God says to them, he says, be glad and rejoice because I've given you the autumn rains. Because he is faithful, he sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains as before. I still don't see the Holy Spirit link. Well, what happens is he's talking about rain and God promising rain and rain producing fruitfulness, restoration and and refreshing. And then he goes on to say in verse 28, he says this, he says, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. You may have heard that before. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit. The picture, God will pour out his rain on you in light of this disaster and he will provide for you. A few verses later, he says, I will pour out my spirit. A beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit being like rain. The prophet has just spoken about God pouring out rain that will refresh and restore. And then he begins to speak about the Holy Spirit being poured out. Now let's fast forward a few hundred years to what's happening. Jesus comes, he has this amazing ministry. He dies on the cross for our sins. He has these disciples, but he dies and he's risen from the dead and he spends this 40 days with his disciples and he says to them, do not leave Jerusalem until you've, been, you've received the promise of my father, the powerful Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says, wait in Jerusalem. And what happens is at Pentecost, which by the fact, uh, just... Pentecost, the celebration of Pentecost is next week, Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, June 9th, which is quite exciting. What happens at Pentecost is the Holy Spirit is poured out for the first time on the early church. This is all going to link in now. It's a bit all over the place, I know. And what happens is this. Peter, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, gets up and says to them, because the crowd has gathered, he says to them, you're looking at us, but let me tell you what has just happened. And what verse does Peter speak about? He goes straight back to this verse in Joel. And he says this, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. The first time the Holy Spirit is poured out on the early church, Peter gets up filled with power from on high and he preaches. And what does he say? He says, just like the prophet said to those people all that time ago. He said to them, I'm going to rain on you and I'm going to fill you and I'm going to restore you and I'm going to refresh you. A picture of the Holy Spirit, like rain. The word pour out means to gush forth, an abundant pouring. I'm from South Africa, you may have picked up from, from my accent, but what, what happens in South Africa is we have summer rain. The biggest time where I was from for rain was in the summer. And uh, I, re- I remember growing up that the beauty of summer for me was not just the beautiful sun. I mean, after a winter in Chicago, you love the sun, right? It's, it, the sun was beautiful, the heat was beautiful, but for me, the beauty in a South African summer where I'm from was in the afternoon when out of nowhere the storm would just come. If you've watched any National Geographic shows and you see the storms that happen in Africa, the lightning, and it's just massive and it's just, whoa, the heavens open and it's just a downpour. For me, the beauty of a South African summer is after the heat, the heavens opening up, the refreshing rain coming from heaven, the beauty of a summer storm, refreshing. Another thing that would happen is because summer was so wet for us, hot and wet, winter was actually quite dry. And when it came to winter where I was from, it was so dry that actually fires were a problem. 
We knew that as winter approached, so would the fires come and, and the, 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 the landscape would change from beautiful greens and beautiful colors to browns and dark and, 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 and it's beautiful in itself, but then the fires would come and those beautiful brown landscapes would turn to black, charred and, and, and hurt landscapes. Fires devouring everything, scary times. But what would happen is the, the spring rain would come and, and all of a sudden where it was brown and where it was dark and, and charcoal and, and blackened by the, the, the fire, these, these shoots after the spring rain would, would begin to spring up and the landscape would change and it would look beautiful again. Friends, the rain brings refreshing and restoration. What happens in this life is we get dry. Remember, we're looking at pictures of the Holy Spirit, who he is and and what he is like. He is like the rain. And we get dry in this life and we need just the refreshing of God. We get hurt in this life and we need the restoration of God. If you're here this morning and saying, I need refreshing or I need restoration, you could easily feel bad about yourself and say, well, maybe I failed. That's why I need refreshing from God. Or maybe I failed. That's why I need his restoration. And you know what? It doesn't mean that you've failed if you feel you need the refreshing touch of God. It just means that you need a refreshing touch of God. It doesn't mean you're far from God. It just If you look at the summer, or if you look at a hot day and you look at how the the tar gets so hot, it just needs to be cooled down. It just needs to be refreshed. And like our lives, it's so hard, it's so hot sometimes, and we just need the refreshing rain of heaven. But perhaps some of you, like that winter story I was saying, life has come and the fires of life have burnt you. What you need is the restoration of God. And that's not a bad thing. That is a good thing. And that is nothing to feel guilty about. God, I need your refreshing rain right now. Would you come with your rain, Holy Spirit, and would you fill me to overflowing? The fires of life can be restored. Or the damage done by the fire of life can be restored. Sometimes I remember when I was growing up on those hot, hot, hot summer days, just running outside as the storm began. Not the safest when lightning was around, I know. But just standing and getting wet, just just allowing the rain to to just soak you and open the mouth wide and just trying to drink in the rain because it's so hot and it's so refreshing. The Holy Spirit is like the rain. Today, God wants to rain down on your life with his refreshing and restoring rain. And this is the gospel that Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins so that we could have access to heaven's rain, which brings refreshing and restoration. The enemy has stolen some things from you. I know because he's stolen some things from me. That's what he does. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy us. And you might be saying, I'm here and I just feel like he's taken everything from me. The Holy Spirit, like rain, will come. And if you allow him to, and he will bring restoration. Everything that was stolen, you can trust God for his refreshing rain to bring restoration. But just like my little analogy of standing in the rain, you've got to position yourself to get wet by the rain of the Holy Spirit. We've got to come out of hiding. Sometimes we hide. We've got to come and position ourselves and say, God, here I am and I need your refreshing and restoration. Would you come with your rain and restore me and refresh me? The next symbol or picture I'd like to look at is that of a river. The first two are nice uh, water analogies. John 7 verse 37 says this, And I'm going to go through a whole bunch of scripture. So if you can't keep up in your Bibles, it'll come up behind me. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. 
Whoever believes in me, as scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit. Now, the first symbol of uh, rain, it took us a little bit of time to get there. I mean, I had to go into the Old Testament, quote a bit of Joel, had to go into the book of Acts, quote a bit of Peter, quoting Joel, and it was a little bit around, maybe a little bit messy, okay? But this one's pretty cool. It's pretty straightforward. Jesus says, come to me and I will fill you with my Holy Spirit and it will be like rivers of living water. It's great. It's really easy to see this one. The Holy Spirit is like a river. I'm excited about that. I love how the imagery works together. The Holy Spirit wants to refresh us and restore us and satisfy our souls. And he does that by pouring himself over us abundantly, mighty abundant rains, but then he wants to flow out of us like a mighty river. He doesn't want us to just keep him bottled in. He wants to flow from out of us, from within us to out of us, wherever we go. I mean, I love the rain analogy because it's more like, okay, I just need an encounter of God for me. God, I need you. And there are times when we need that. But the river analogy is a little bit more challenging because the river analogy says the river comes from within me, the Holy Spirit, the source, overwhelms, bubbles up and overflows. It wants to overflow. But I don't know about you, but when, when God wants to overflow me, sometimes I can turn the tap on and turn it off. The Bible tells us to keep in step with the Spirit. And as I'm walking through the day, it means I have the choice to keep in step with the Spirit or to not keep in step with the Spirit. Ever been there? Was it just me? Probably just me, it's okay, all right. But what happens is this river wants to flow, this river wants to flow, and and we kind of, maybe we're fearful, maybe we're afraid, or maybe we're in a a pattern of sin, or or just something, and we we begin to stop the flow, and and a river that begins to get stopped up becomes a dam, and sometimes a river that gets stopped up can become like a marsh because it's not flowing. And we wonder why maybe we're stagnating in our walk with God. The river needs to flow, The Holy Spirit inside of you needs to flow and wants to flow. Uh, Have you ever met someone who is so filled with the power and presence of God that every time you're with them, you walk away just thinking, man, I just want to spend more time with Jesus. Like you're spending time with them and and they're always saying how amazing God is. They're always talking about what God has done. And it can be quite annoying because you're like, man, I wish I had that walk with God. (laughs) Ever been there? You see, when the Holy Spirit is flowing through us, it's, it's beautiful and it's captivating. It's very attractive. It's like Francis Chan in his book on the Holy Spirit called Forgotten God. He says this, without some people operate in their own strength and only accomplish human size results. The world is not moved by love or actions that are of human creation. And the church is not empowered to live differently from any other gathering of people without the Holy Spirit. But when believers live in that power of the Spirit, the evidence in their lives is supernatural. The church cannot help but be different, and the world cannot help but notice. A few weeks back, I I got to speak on the Holy Spirit and our identity and the things that the Holy Spirit does inside of us. We embrace what He says and we follow Him. We embrace what he says, and we follow him. And when we embrace what he says and we follow him, our lives cannot help but be different. If you're anything like me, you've read some of scripture and and you've seen things that are good to do and things that are good not to do. And you've seen, okay, I'm gonna try not to do this and I'm gonna try to do this. And it's a good exercise, but you realize that it's so difficult to do in your own strength and you, you fail miserably all the time. That's me. 
But suddenly, as I'm following the Holy Spirit, all of these things begin to happen by default because I'm keeping in step with Him. I'm embracing Him and I'm following Him. And my life cannot help but be different. Last year, my daughter Starla was in kindergarten and I, and I came, I, I learned about this new concept called bucket fillers. You ever heard of what a bucket filler is? You get bucket emptiers and you get bucket fillers. Basically, what the teacher was trying to teach my daughter was, in life, be a bucket filler. Don't empty people's buckets by telling them how bad they are and how bad they're doing and, and just, just make life horrible for them. Make life wonderful for them. Be kind, be generous, be compassionate. It's a beautiful message. Fill their buckets. When it comes to our walk with God, and as I heard that, I was quite challenged. When it comes to our walk with God, are we focusing only on the Holy Spirit like rain trying to fill me? Or are we also like that river saying, God, I want to be a bucket filler. Wherever I go, your river flowing through me and touching other people. You see, when the river flows within us, when it flows, it brings life to the dead areas inside of us. And when we allow it to overflow, it begins to bring life to the dead areas around us. And friends, that's what Chicago needs, is it not? Why was the Holy Spirit given? Well, in Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus said this, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then it goes into saying, you will be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit poured out that we may be his witnesses. A witness testifies to what he has seen and what he has heard. The Holy Spirit comes on us, baptizes us, fills us, overflows through us so that we can give a testimony of who Jesus is and what he's done in our lives. The river wants to flow. But I really want to encourage us because um, if you're anything like me, sometimes it feels like the river's not flowing. I wonder if we can pull up that picture of the Amazon River. I chose this picture for a reason. That's the Amazon River from space. It's pretty big. Pretty impressive, right? And you read about Jesus and these living water, these rivers, and you probably think of like the Amazon, like, yeah, that's what it should be, God. Like, if the Spirit of God lives in me and he does, surely my life should be like that. Let me tell you about the Amazon River. It's the largest river in the world when looking at its volume. Here's a picture from space. It's located in South America, and because it is so large, it can count for at least one-fifth of the world's complete river flow. The river is so powerful and so big that there aren't any points along the river that can be crossed by a bridge. Wow, I've seen pictures of people surfing this river. It's about 150 feet deep. It's massive. It's powerful. And we think that perhaps this is what our lives should be in terms of the river of the Holy Spirit flowing through our lives. But here's where I want to encourage us. I want to encourage you and say that every river starts as a drip. Can we pull up that next picture? That is one of the sources of the Amazon River can't see that from space. (laughs) Not that impressive at all, actually. This is what I I believe God wants to encourage us, that every river starts as a drip, and every drip becomes a trickle, and every trickle becomes a stream, and every stream becomes a smaller river, and every smaller river joining up becomes a mighty river. It may not feel like this river is anything impressive in your life at the moment. But the Bible says this, that anyone who believes in Jesus, out of him will flow streams of living water. You might be saying, God, my life, it looks like just a drip at the moment, but I'm going to be faithful with that little drip of your river. You might be saying, God, it's just a little trickle, but I'm going to hold you at your word that says, out of my life will come streams of living water. That's an encouraging picture. Because it kind of takes the pressure off. 
Because right now, perhaps you can think of these amazing people who have these amazing walks with God and their life is just like this overflowing river and you can feel guilty and say, why isn't my life like that? See, rivers bring life, healing, and transformation. Early cities were surround, uh, were based about, uh, were planted where rivers were. Why? Because that was where the life was. Think of a dry waterland. Introduce water, healing, and transformation. Some of us need the life of God to flow in us again. I want to encourage us as well. Just something I was thinking about. Maybe we're expecting our lives to be this massive river and we're getting despondent because it's just a drip or just a trickle. And I thought about every single one of us at Anthem Church. If every single one of us just committed to allowing that drip or that, that trickle to flow out of our lives, perhaps together we would all become a massive river. Just a thought. The Holy Spirit is like a river. Not only does God want to pour his rain on us this morning, he wants to open our rivers inside of us. And this is the gospel, that Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins, that we could experience the mighty, eternal, life-giving river of God's presence. And this is also the gospel, that wherever we go, this life-giving presence would flow out of us. Another encouragement, when it comes to encountering God's presence, when it comes to encountering the Holy Spirit, we think we hear of him as rain, we hear of him like a river, and we could have these expectations of this mighty downpour from heaven, and when we come to receive, we may feel nothing. Sometimes it feels like just a drip. Sometimes it feels like just a trickle. But sometimes it feels like a stream, and sometimes it may even feel like a river, and sometimes it may feel like nothing at all. But I tell you what, when it comes to encountering God, I'm saying, God, here I am. If it's a drip today, I'll take it. Because I know that a few days of drips will turn into a few days of trickles and a few trickles into streams and streams into rivers. And I'll look back on the end of my life and I'll see a mighty raging river because I was faithful and said, God, come and fill me with your presence. Fear inside of us says, what is it gonna look like? Desire inside of us says, God, I don't mind what it looks like. Just come and fill me with your Holy Spirit. The third picture I'd like to speak about, and that is fire. Not only is the Holy Spirit revealed through Scripture as rain that brings restoration and refreshing, not only is the Holy Spirit revealed like like a river that brings life, healing, and transformation. In actual fact, I just feel to pause right now and pray for healing in the meeting. Lord God, would you bring your river of life that'll bring healing and it'll bring transformation. Only your river can do it. No prayer can do it. None of my faith can do it. But God, you by your presence and power of your Holy Spirit can bring healing in this place. And I lift up every area that is not well in this building. And I say, in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you be made well? He is like fire. John the Baptist, when speaking about Jesus in Luke chapter three says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. <laughs> it was quite funny this morning. I, in the morning, I, I practiced my, my message and, and invariably what will happen is one or two of my kids will, or one of the other of them will come in while I'm practicing and They'll be playing on the floor and I'll be practicing my preach. And uh, I got to this point and I was like, I'm practicing and I'm saying, perhaps this morning, this has actually happened, you, you like the image of the rain, but perhaps this morning you find the river a little bit challenging. But when I say fire, and then as I said fire, I was like, oh, that's scary, dad. And I was like, that's my next point. Yes, fire can be like scary. <laughs> perhaps the fire analogy isn't, isn't as easy as the, as the rain or, or as the river. We believe in all of Jesus for everyone, and we want to preach all of Scripture for everyone. And fire is a little scary. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. 
when the Holy Spirit is first poured out, we read about this in, at Pentecost in Acts chapter two, and it says this is that there was a sound of a violent wind and then tongues of fire seemed to appear on the people in the upper room. I don't know what that was like. I, I battle to understand that even. But the picture of fire is used. In trying to understand the fire of the Holy Spirit, I was, how, do I, how do I adequately convey what, what, what this fire is? And, and I found this old hymn. Perhaps you may know it. It was written by a Methodist preacher by the name of William Booth, who also started the Salvation Army. It's a hymn from 1894, and, and I want to read it. It's got old English in See if you can catch up and follow. Thou Christ of burning, cleansing flame, send the fire. Thy blood-bought gift today we claim, send the fire. Look down and see this waiting host, give us the promised Holy Ghost. We want another Pentecost, send the fire. God of Elijah, hear our cry, send the fire. To make us fit to live or die, send the fire. To burn up every trace of sin, to bring the light and glory in. The revolution now begins, send the fire. Tis fire we want, for fire we plead, send the fire. The fire will meet our every need, send the fire. For strength to ever do the right, for grace to conquer in the fight, for power to walk the world in white, send the fire. To make our weak hearts strong and brave, send the fire. To live a dying world to save, send the fire. O see us on thy altar lay, our lives are all this very day. To crown the offering now, we pray, send the fire. I wonder if the band could come up. What is the fire of God? Exactly what William Booth said. All those aspects of the fire, some of them comfortable, some of them not. What does fire do? Fire cleanses and purifies. In reading scripture, it often uses the picture of of God as this refiner, refining his people like silver and gold. What does that mean? To refine silver and gold, you need to heat it up really, really hot. And, And as it begins to boil, what happens is the impurities rise to the surface. And what's left behind is the pure, pure gold and silver. Sometimes the fire of God does that in our lives. Sometimes we go through things which are really difficult and the fire of life seems to come. Like those, those fires that I spoke about earlier and during the winter seasons in Africa would come and devastate things. And sometimes that happens in our lives. Fire cleanses and purifies. There's this account in Isaiah, and, and Steve preached about it as he opened up this series on the Holy Spirit. Isaiah, the prophet, has this amazing revelation. He sees heaven. He sees the Lord on his throne, and he has this revelation, and he hears all the angels worshiping, saying, holy, holy, holy. And he ha- as, as he sees this, he's convicted, and he says, woe is me. I, my eyes have seen the Lord, but I'm a man of unclean lips. And as he says that, one of the angels comes and takes a call. And it's all imagery, right? It's just imagery of what he's seeing. Takes this call and cleanses his lips. I know that if Isaiah said, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean hands, that the angel would have come and cleansed his hands. The fire of God cleanses us and purifies us. As we spend time with him, as we open our lives to him, as we allow him to encounter us, what he does is he changes our desires. He changes the motives of our hearts and he makes us more like Christ. We who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory. The Lord is committed to making us more like Jesus. You guys can begin to play gently behind me. That'll be great. Fire cleanses. Fire catches. What do I mean? Well, the hotter and brighter fire burns, the more everything around it is changed and burnt up with it. 
I know I started off with a negative imagery of fire, but this is a positive image of fire. When our lives are on fire for God, things around us change. Maybe we look at our lives and we say, God, I wish I had more influence. God, I wish things around me would change more. God, I'm waiting on you to do something. And, and, and almost like see God saying, I'm waiting on you to get on fire for me. And that's a challenge. I'm waiting on you to burn a little brighter. You see, not only does fire catch things and change things around us, but fire needs care. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Fire needs fuel. And we can walk through this life just expecting the Holy Spirit to do everything, or we can co-labor with Christ and partner with God and say, God, you've placed this fire within me. I'm going to, I'm going to nurture it. I'm going to breathe on it. I'm going to fan it into flame. Paul says to Timothy, uh, don't be timid, Timothy. Don't be afraid, but fan into flame the gift that was given on the laying on of my hands. What's he saying? Paul's saying, I prayed for you and God gave you a gift. And your responsibility is to fan that into flame, not to shrink away. Fan it into flame. And the final point this morning, I'm just going to follow on, is that he is like a dove. The first three images are quite scary. And the the dove imagery isn't as scary. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him. I'm well pleased. A dove, why a dove? I believe a dove represents another side of the Holy Spirit that we may be not always aware of. A dove is sensitive and gentle. Last week, Matt preached about not grieving the Holy Spirit. Even now I can feel it. And I've spent this whole week just going through my, my, my day saying, God, I, just, I don't want to grieve you. I, I don't want to grieve you. You're sensitive and you're holy and I don't want to grieve you. I know what to do and what not to do, but the, the reason I don't want to do those things is because I don't want to grieve you, not because I'm trying to be right. And I'd watch as I'd react with my kids and then I'd be short with them and I'd be like, oh God, that grieves you. I'm so sorry. The Holy Spirit is sensitive and He is holy. The other thing the Holy Spirit does, He brings peace. I had a friend who used to say, the Holy Spirit cannot rest on someone who is restless. What does that mean? The dove cannot come and land on movement. We need to be still. The rain wants to come and refresh us but we, and restore us, but we need to position ourselves. The river of God wants to flow in us and flow through us, but we need to prepare ourselves. The fire wants to cleanse us and consume us and set us ablaze for His glory, but we need to feed that flame. And the Holy Spirit, like a dove, wants to come and rest on us and bring His peace and sensitivity to, to where He's leading us, but we need to wait and be still. God, you know my prayer was, let this not be about wise and persuasive words, but a demonstration of your power. So would you come, Holy Spirit? Would you come and fill us to overflowing? Would you come and, and would, you, would your rain come upon us? Some of you need the gentle rain of heaven right now just to bring refreshing. Some of you need the mighty downpour of heaven to bring restoration. Some of you need to say, God, I need to let the river flow. Some of you need to say, God, I'm going to submit to the burning, cleansing flame. And I'm going to get my life right with you. And some of us just need to be still. I wonder if we could close our eyes, please. If you've been 
listening to this this morning and you realize that you don't actually have a relationship with God and you want to put your faith in Christ, either for the first time or, or you're saying, actually, I'm returning to God this morning. While all eyes are closed, I wonder if you could raise your hand so I could know who I'm praying with. Is there anyone who wants to put their faith in Christ this morning or return to God this morning? Is there anyone? Is there anyone here this morning that says, God, I need either your rain, your river, your fire, or you to come like a dove? If that is you, while eyes are closed, I'm going to ask you to stand. If you're saying, God, I need more of your presence, would you come? Don't feel pressure to stand. I don't even know who's standing. My eyes are closed. See, as we respond to God, it's like it activates our hearts to seek Him. And he says to us, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Sometimes it feels like God is hiding from us. But in actual fact, he's just waiting on us to draw near to him. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you, says the Bible. Would you come? that you would rend the heavens and come down, God. Or that you would make your face to smile upon us, God. Or that you would refresh us and restore us, God. Or that your river would flow from within us. And all the dead areas in our lives would be made life and full of life again. And all the dead areas around us would change. No, God, that your fire would burn within us, a holy flame, purifying our heart's desires and setting us aflame for your glory. Thanks again for listening. To stay up to date, follow at Anthem Church Chicago and visit us anthemforall.org. Anthem Church, all of Jesus for everyone.